love you. And if you'll look at the screen, there's a little special video here. Happy Father's Day to the smartest and hardest working man I've ever met. I love my daddy because he's courageous, strong, and encouraging. I love my daddy also because he loves me, he helps me with my schoolwork, and he encourages me during my sports. I love my dad because he is awesome. Happy Father's Day! We love you! Thank you, Daddy, for all the things that you do. Thank you so, so much. Happy Father's Day! We love you! Happy Father's Day, Dad. Happy Father's Day, Daddy. Thank you for all that you do for me, and I love you so much. I love my daddy because he gives me warm hugs. I love my dad because of his dad jokes. We, we love, love our dad, dad because he's hardworking. And he takes care of us. Love Happy you. Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, Daddy. Love you. Happy Father's Day. We love you. Happy, Happy Father's, Father's Day. Day. What I like about my dad is that he helps me build things. What I like about my dad is he, he plays with me. Dad didn't want buildings. I love my dad because even though he drives me insane, he isn't afraid to tell it like it is. He pushes me out of my comfort zone. Uh, he shares my love for travel and adventure, which makes sense because he's the one who gave it to me. Um, he's the first to apologize and seek reconciliation after an argument or a fight, and he's a great spiritual leader. Happy Father's Day, Daddy. I love you because you watch movies with me, and I also wanted to say you're the best person in the world. Thank you for everything. Happy Father's Day, Daddy. We love you. And my favorite part of Daddy is um he playing baseball with me. I love you. My goodness, I wonder how many of those children were paid to actually bless your children. You know, uh, some of you, your fathers may be here and you're going to be able to spend some time or call them. Some, your fathers, are already in glory, rejoicing in glory. But, you know, I'm thankful that we had dads that loved us and took care of us. And uh, we learn from them and we make our lives better because of them. So today, remember your dad and put a smile on your face and thank God for him. Good morning, everybody. Whether you're a father, you had a father. Newsflash, just want you to know you had a father, okay, because you're here. Some of you are looking at me like, what are you talking about? Put that together. Ask your neighbor. That class will be later on in the month. Maybe we'll have that class. Not going to have that class this morning. It is great to see you, and uh, I'm thinking about you guys this morning. Man, your father's having quite the Father's Day in heaven. And uh, I'm a little bit jealous. I got to be honest. I'd, I'd kind of like to be in heaven, but uh, there's more work for us to do if we're still here. So grateful that you're here this morning. Just a couple of announcements I want to make you aware of and remind you about. Uh, we are going to try to do some things during this crazy uh, time that we find ourselves in in our world uh, to continue to fellowship together. One of those things is coming up on June the 28th. That is next Sunday. Where is June? June is almost flown by. Uh, June 28th, next Sunday, of course, we'll have our morning worship service right here at 9 o'clock. The live stream, of course, will be continuing as well. But that afternoon between 4 and 5.30, we are going to have a drop-in dessert for Dave. How's that for DDD? Dive-in, drives, and what's the, what's the TV show? We're going to do better than that, a drop-in dessert with Dave. And we're going to honor Dave, and uh, just say thank you to the last several years. I think six years he has served our church as facilities manager, so please plan on coming by and spending some time with him. And if, you, if you're going to be here, we're also going to do something for those of you that are like me sometimes, 
uh, technologically challenged, we're going to have some Zoom training. Take about 10 minutes, and we've got some great college students that are serving with us this summer, and so we want to equip you to do that. So uh, God forbid we find ourselves in this situation again in my lifetime. Please, Lord Jesus, no. But if we do, we'll all know how to jump online and, and be able to connect with one another. So that'll be that same day, so mark your calendar for that. July the 4th is coming. We're going to have a big fireworks celebration here on the 4th. That's a Saturday uh, in the church parking lot at 9 o'clock. So just a couple of things I wanted to make you aware of today and uh, invite you to, uh, to participate in those. Liz, come on up, Liz. We have some great college students, and I won't embarrass him, but Zach, you can kind of wave. We had a new arrival. He's in the back. In the cheap seats, uh, Zach is here. An additional one of our additional college staff is serving with us this summer uh, here with Crossroads and uh, with our Dominican uh, ministry. And uh, Liz is going to come share her testimony with us this morning. And as she does, let's pray together first. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the privilege to gather uh, as a church family. And uh, thank you for being our dad. Thank you for being our heavenly father. And as we look at your word and as we worship and song in just a little bit, God, we just dedicate these next few minutes to you. And we want to tell you that we love you. And uh, speak to our hearts. I pray as Liz shares today, Lord, you'd even speak to our heart through her words and guide the rest of our service in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Hey, guys. So I'm Liz, and Jack introduced me last week. But I'm so excited to be serving y'all and the Cross River Cups mission this summer. Um, I'm just going to give a little part of my testimony that wasn't um, expected. So this past summer, I was able to go to the Dominican Republic, and God showed me, I think, more than I probably helped the people that were there and really changed my life personally. Um, one thing that Crossover Cups Mission does is, well, they put each of us in specific villages for most of the time that we were there, and I got to be in one that was called Valador. And one thing that they do is they have their Bible camps. They have, you know, obviously their VBS. They spend a lot of time discipling the kids. But they also put a lot of um, importance on the power of prayer. And we were able to go to the different houses in all these villages, and we knock on the doors, and we say, hey, how can we pray for you? And there wasn't a time when we knocked on a door that someone would turn us away and say, hey, I don't need prayer. I don't have anything I need prayer for. And those were always beautiful times to me and times that just God showed me so much. I'd go in a house, and half the time I would be prayed for in return, or they'd give me some great wisdom or try to feed me from the little stuff that they had. Um, one that really stood out, though, was um, her name was Carita. And we were walking down the mountain around this corner, and she comes out of her house. And there's this barbed wire fence, and she comes through, and she welcomes us in. And we ask if she needs prayer. Um, and I see as she's walking out of the house that she's leaning over, and she has these dirty-looking cloths in her hands. Um, they're gauze that she'd been using to clean this wound and keep it from continuing to be infected, trying to fight against that. So she would clean them, and she would hang them up outside of her building. So she continued to reuse the same things um, because she didn't have anything else, and that's what she was given. She continued... As we went inside, we, she pulled out chairs for all of us to sit down because they typically do that. They like to welcome you into their homes. Um, and she sits us down, and she just starts talking and pouring down her life, and we're just speaking with her. And she talks about how she had this surgery, and she doesn't have enough money to get it fixed, but it's become open again and is pussing out of her body, and she just can't. She's in a lot of pain, and she just can't get it fixed. She doesn't have the funds or the money for that. Um, she goes on to talk about how after the earthquakes that happened in the Dominican Republic, they happen about maybe like multiple times in the week. But there was one, and she leads us into her bedroom, and there's this giant crack on the wall of her concrete ceiling directly above the crib where her two children sleep. And if there's another earthquake, like her house could tumble at any point in time. And she just continues to tell us about her life and things. And she goes on to say that she shows us the food that she has to eat. She says she hasn't eaten all day. And she's not going to eat all day because she needs to feed her children. And she shows us the food that's in her container of soup. And it's this tiny piece of chicken that's smaller than a baseball. 
and she's making it in a soup so it can last longer to feed her kids. She says that she's been eating food that has been left out for the dogs outside. Um, throughout all of this, Carita didn't once ask me to meet her needs. The only thing she asked for was prayer because she understood the person who actually meets our needs. She understood that when we go and we give and we do that as that God is working through us. Like it's not through our means, but through his. So she asked us to pray for her and to continue to pray for her. Um, looking into her circumstances, a lot of us would maybe think that like God has left her, but I can tell you for a fact that he is not. And she recognizes his presence in her life. Um, and especially now, I think in this time with corona and the political explosion that's been going on recently, we really need to recognize God's presence in our lives and that he has not left us either and he has not left her. And he is always there in the hardest circumstances, especially the hardest circumstances, he's there. And we need to really focus and recognize on that power of prayer and talk to him and speak out to him because that's all he wants us to do is to talk to him because he's our daddy. He's our father. Um, but that's one thing that he taught me there. Thanks. Our congregation music today is going to be This is My Father's World. And uh, as we look around at the beauty of the earth, we can see God in all the creation that he has. And then we're going to sing uh, maybe a song that's new to many of you. It's been on the radio for several years Good, Good Father. So let's stand together as we sing these great songs of the church today. Let's stand up and sing.
Good to see your faces this morning. Good, good father. Yeah, I do think some of those people were paid off, but we'll figure that out a little bit later along the way. Uh, if you are a parent, whether you're a mom or a dad this morning, some of you are a grandmom and granddad, congratulations. Some of you are grandmom and granddad again, congratulations. So this is awesome. You know, as we, as we get older, we mature. I came across something that you probably have heard before, um, kind of the mental thoughts of somebody as they progress, thinking about their parents, thinking about their dads. When you were four years old, here's what you thought. My dad can do anything. When you were seven years old, you said, my dad knows a lot. He knows a whole lot. When you turned eight, you said, you know what? My father doesn't quite know everything. When you were 12, oh, well, father doesn't know everything. Maybe you even did this, you know, when you turned 12 or 13. I don't know. When you were 14 or 15, you thought, my father is hopelessly old-fashioned. When you were 21, you said, that guy is out of date. That guy's out of date. What do you expect? When you turned 25, you said, he knows a little bit about it, but not too much. When you turned 30, you said, I need to find out what my dad thinks about that. Turn 35, you said, I, I need a little patience. Let's get dad's meaning on this first. When you turn 50, you said, what does dad think about it? Or what would dad have thought about it? When you turn 60, you said, my dad knew everything. And when you turn 65, you said, I wish I could talk to my dad one more time about that. Interesting how our perspective changes. As I was thinking about Father's Day and thinking about what I would share with you guys today, I started thinking about my own dad. And uh, he's still alive. And I thought about three things about my dad. I'll just share with you real quick before we look at the scripture that we have as we think about good, good father this morning. My dad taught me the truth, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. He didn't just take me to church where I could learn about the truth, but he taught me the truth. And that's a responsibility for us as moms and dads to teach our children the truth and to model the truth and to share the truth. My dad did that. Uh, he also did not stand in the way of consequences when I did not listen or obey uh, or follow the truth. There's many times he could have stepped in, but there's many times he didn't. He just thought... I'm going to let you suffer the consequences. You know, consequences sometimes are our best teacher. And it's something when we learn it, when we suffer the consequences, we don't forget it quite as easy. I think I, I shared with you all a few weeks back uh, in, in a different message where my dad had fixed a bicycle uh, or was attempting to fix it and the chain was a little loose and he had given me instructions, don't get on the bike. And I did anyway when he was at work and I suffered the consequences of a broken chain and a broken Another part of the anatomy, I'll just leave it at that. After he got home and disciplined me, it was interesting. Uh, but he did not stand in the way of, of consequences. And he also uh, loved me and still loves me and forgave me and forgives me. Those are kind of some things about a good, good father. And if you've got your Bible this morning, I want to invite you there. If you're watching at home in your living room or for those of us here to turn to Luke chapter 15... We're going to look at a few verses this morning. You probably know this story. A lot of people call this the story of the prodigal son or the lost son. And a lot of times when you hear this passage of Scripture preached, you'll hear people put the attention a lot of times on the lost son. And obviously there's a lot that we can learn looking at this Scripture and talking about the lost son. There's a lot that we can learn uh, reading this story, which is a parable of Jesus that we can learn about the older brother. But this morning, I want us to look at it maybe with a different perspective and think about the father. And Jesus is telling this story to those who have gathered, and it's a series of stories. He's, he's already told them some other stories, some parables. He's talked about a lost sheep, and he's talked about a lost coin. And while the crowd is still gathering, he turns his attention to another story, and he says this in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. He says, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. Now, let's stop just a second 
And I'll kind of make some points along the way. And the first point would be this. I've mentioned it about my own dad. The model father teaches the truth from infancy up. That's number one. The model father teaches the truth. And Jesus is telling these stories. He's, he's not telling these stories. I want to encourage you all, when you read the Bible, to put yourself in the context of the Bible. Because many times we read the Bible and we don't understand it because we're trying to look through the lens of 2020. And we're not thinking about who the people Jesus is talking to, where they were, the culture, what was going on. The people that Jesus is talking to uh, were people who had heard these stories before. Jesus did not tell this story in a vacuum. He's talking to Jews. They knew the Old Testament Scripture. They knew the Mosaic Law. And so Jesus begins to tell this story about these, uh, these sons. You know, what I am reminded of as I started reading this passage earlier in the week is basic to a great heritage is our responsibility, our parental responsibility to teach our children about Jesus, about God. And you may say, well, I'm not a mom, I'm not a dad. One of the things that I don't like about bringing attention to Mother's Day and Father's Day is for those of us who maybe don't have children, God didn't choose to bless us this way for whatever reason, we think sometimes the Scripture doesn't apply to us because we don't have physical children. Can I encourage you today, there are some of you maybe in this room, that you are spiritual parents. You may not even know it. But there are people, younger people, watching you and they see you as a spiritual mom or a spiritual dad. Guess what? This same set of uh, instructions that we're going to hear and the things that we're going to learn from this story apply to you and apply to me. And so our responsibility as adults is to teach both in precept and in action uh, the Word of God and to teach people the truth. You know, I'm... I'm reminded there was a sitcom when I was growing up. I won't tell you the name of it. Some of you will know because the TV dad on the show uh, has since gone on to maybe not be such a good person that we would point to as being a model father. But on the sitcom, he would tell his children, if they got out of line, I brought you into the world and I'll take you out. And that's one way to discipline, but the bigger way to discipline is also to be a model of what God's Word has to say. And Moses did this a lot with the children of Israel. You'll remember as they were walking and making their way to the Promised Land, he said many, many times in Deuteronomy, you can find these quotes where he said, Hey, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your might. And he said, know then in your heart as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord will discipline you. So it's so important that as we live under God's authority, we as moms or dads or spiritual moms and dads teach our children about the ways of God. And if we try to teach them one way, but we live a different way, don't be surprised if they call us hypocrites. doesn't mean we have to be perfect because there's only one perfect dad. You can be a father spiritually or a mom spiritually, whether you have children or not. So as we get into this story, we find out there's a couple of sons. And let's pick back up in verse 12. The younger one says, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. And he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together. And he went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Verse 14, now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be in need. And he went and attached himself to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Sounds like it's not going too well for him so far. And he was longing to fill his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. Let's stop right there. Talk about consequences. Let's think about this. What would your reaction be, for those of you who have children, if your kids came to you while you're still alive, by the way, and said, I want my inheritance. I don't want to wait on you to pass away. I don't want to wait on you to retire. I want my inheritance right now. What would your response be? (laughs) I'll just go ahead and tell my son right now and my daughter who's going to be watching on the live stream, don't you try it. Don't you try it. It won't be, it won't be a pleasant scenario. But that's what happened. These, this younger son comes to his dad. Now, it was not unusual for a Jewish father 
occasionally to give his inheritance to his children, his sons, if he had decided, okay, I'm not going to have any more business dealings, I'm kind of retiring from the actual management of business life, that was not unusual. But to know that this dad was not at that point, and to have his sons come to him and say, hey, I, I'm, I want my inheritance right now, that's pretty bold, pretty daring. And yet we find out here that the model father, the second thing the model father doesn't do is stand in the way of consequences. He could have had a lot of different reactions when his son came to him and said that. He could have said, no, that's not going to happen. He could have said, well, I'm going to give it to you, but I'm going I'm to send a spy to follow you along and see how you handle this. I'm going to put find my iPhone on my phone so I can track you when you're with your friends to see where you are. Not pointing at anybody who's done that in the room necessarily. Modern technology as parents, we sometimes do those things to watch those that we love. He could have had a lot of different reactions to this son. He could have played the comparison game. He could have said to his younger son, well, why don't you be like the older son? He, he hasn't come to me and asked for this inheritance. Why don't you be like your older brother or your older sister in your world, the world of comparison? But the father didn't do any of those things. He stood by the teaching that he had raised his sons up knowing the word of God. He stood by the teaching and said, you know what? I'm going to trust that God, the word of God that has been planted in their hearts is going to bear fruit. And I'm going to stand by those teachings and continue to model what it means to be a person after God's own heart and prepare to let my son go off into being an adult. That is a hard thing. That is a hard thing. And there's so many stages, and some of you are ahead of Lynette and I in this stage. You know, we have two in college, one that just graduated. I know what's coming next. I know what's coming next. Don't tell me. I got my shotgun loaded. I know what's coming next. I know. There's these phases of life that our kids will go through, and every time you just kind of you keep releasing it like the mother bird, you just let them go. And it's very difficult. So this dad could have had a lot of different reactions, but he did not stand in the way of the consequences. He wasn't in the, in the way, in the business of prematurely rescuing. And sometimes we do that with our own children. God wants to teach them a lesson. And sometimes we step in and save the day. And I think God sometimes is going, I was wanting them to fall and fail so that they would turn to me. But we prematurely rescue them. You, you may know this. You may have studied this in biology. Biology was not my best subject. I think I got a D in it the third time. Um, and they finally kicked me out. But we, you, you study biology and you'll study about the caterpillar and it gets in the cocoon. And you may have heard this story before. The caterpillar is in the cocoon and the young guy's walking through the forest and he sees the caterpillar in the cocoon and he says to his instructor, uh, he looks like... The caterpillar looks like he's struggling. I see the butterfly in there. He's trying to get out. Can we just take a little knife and cut the cocoon open? And the instructor explains to him that if you do that, you might think you're helping set that caterpillar free to be a butterfly, but it's the pressure of fighting to get out of the cocoon that pushes the liquid in the veins of the butterfly out into the wings that actually enables it to fly. And so if you cut the cocoon, the, the butterfly will fall on the ground and will not be able to fly. Moms and dads, grandmoms, granddads, hear me. We do that a lot sometimes with our kids. We step in and we don't allow them to suffer the consequences. And trust me, it's painful when they do, when we have to watch that. But this dad didn't, didn't step in. He respected their autonomy and their ability or need to come of age. And you know what? The reality is we really don't have much of a choice. We think sometimes they're under our control and we could step in and do different things, but we, we really can't. We really can't. There will come a point where they will be 100% on their own and they'll have to make their own decisions and we will have to say, you know what, this is your life. I've done the best that I can. I've tried to model Jesus for you. I've dropped the ball sometimes. I've failed. I've made a mistake, but I love you and I always will and I'm your dad. And give them a big hug. Send them out on their way to do what God has called them to do. And allow them to suffer the consequences. Can I, can I tell you this morning, our Heavenly Father does the same thing with us. He loves us. 
And there's sometimes we kind of thumb our nose at him and say, God, I'm going to do this or do that, regardless of what you say, what I know to be right. And he lets us suffer our consequences. There's a lot of people in the world that like to throw out the question, well, if there was a God, blah, 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 this would happen. This. No, God allows us to suffer our consequences. He stepped in to save the day one time, and that was sufficient enough. The day he stepped in to save the day was when he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And that was all sufficient, one and done. That was all he needed to do. In the fallen world in which we live, we still will suffer consequences of our actions, and we will suffer the consequences of actions of other people, unfortunately. But the model father won't stand in the way of consequences. The third thing we see about the model father is he has a love that refuses to give up. He has a love that refuses to give up. Let's keep reading and see what happens. This son is longing to fill his stomach with the pods from the swine. And in verse 17 it says, When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but here I am dying with hunger. So I'll get up and I'll go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. And he got up and he came to his father. But while his father was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly! Bring out the best robe and put it on him and the ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf, kill it and let us eat and be merry. The father, the model father has a love that refuses to give up. He loves and he forgives. Imagine how this plot would have been different. This story that Jesus is telling would have been different if the father took the attitude of, okay, that's what you want, fine. Here's my inheritance. Take this inheritance, go, but don't you ever come back here anymore because you're excommunicated. I am not your dad anymore. Be a different kind of story. But that's not what happened. The father kept faithfully carrying out his responsibilities, waiting and anticipating that his son was going to come back, even daily aware of his heart that was breaking. I, I, I love this kind of a story because a lot of people in our world think that the Bible is just a happy book and everything turns out happy in the end and in the end everything's great. Not necessarily. We see a story right here where there's pain. There's pain in the Father's heart. It's important for us to learn how to live with the broken heart. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But take courage, I've overcome the world. There's a very realistic candor in the Bible if you read it. Sometimes things are good, sometimes things are not so good. And here we have this father who finds out that his son finally is coming back. What an incredible picture that while he is yet at a distance, his father saw him and had compassion on him. And he ran and embraced him. He could have exploded with a lot of, I told you so. He could have responded with uh, a lot of guilt, a lot of condemnation. But no, he runs to his son and embraces his son and kisses his son. And the son has his speech already prepared of what he's going to say. But, but dad, I'm not worthy. And, and just put me out there with your servants. And he's got all this, I've sinned against you. And the father's reaction is pretty incredible. He doesn't even give his son a chance. To ask to be a servant. But he calls for the best robe. In, in, Hebrew, in the Hebrew world, again, when you, when you read the scripture, try to find out the context. And sometimes I have to study other places to get the context, and that's okay. In Hebrew culture, when you, when you called out for somebody to be, have a robe put on them, it was, a, it was a sign of honor. So he says, go get a robe and put on it. Here he is honoring the son who walked away because he's come back. And he brings out and says, put a robe on him. He says, put a ring on him. The ring stood for authority. I think we've talked about this before, that kings would wear their ring. And the way that they would seal documents is there would be wax put on the, the envelope of a document. And they would put their ring and put the seal on there, which meant this is the king has spoken. This is the authority of the king. And so when he calls for his son to have a ring, he's saying, I am placing you back in authority. No, you're not going to be excommunicated. No, you're not going to be a slave. You're going to take your place as my son because I love you and I forgive you. And then he says he even asked the 
servants to bring and put shoes on his feet because shoes were also very important. Shoes symbolized being a child of the family as opposed to being a slave. It's an interesting response from the father. Now, I've read this story a lot. And I grew up in church knowing this father, or knowing the scripture. And until recently, when I started studying what it really meant for a father to respond the way that that father responded, it didn't really make sense to me. What was the big deal? Why would it be a big deal for the father to run? And it was a big deal for the father to run because in that culture, men did not run. Because you would not be wearing slacks. You would have on a, a robe or a tunic. So if you were going to run, it meant that as a man, you would have to uh, hike up your, your robe. Ladies, you know about this. Your dresses and your skirts. As a man, you would hike that up. You would show your bare legs in public, which was a no-no. You didn't do that. That was a sign of shame and scorn. So for this dad to see his son from a distance... I would read this scripture growing up as a kid and I would go, wow, he just, he loved his son so much. He hiked up his robe and he ran to him. Wow, good dad, good, good father. No, there's much more to the scripture there if you study the culture and you know what's going on. Because here's what would happen. If the people in the city saw this son who had been that kind of rude to his father, and gone out and squandered his inheritance, and would come back to the home, if the people in the city on the hillside could see that son coming back in, they could respond. Not just the father, but, this, but the, the community, the other people in the community, families in the community could respond. And they could come running out with a pot to meet him. And if they come, came running out to meet him with this pot, and they came in front of him and... And they threw a pot in front of the son. It meant you are excommunicated. You are no longer welcome. Never come here again. You have sinned and that sin can never be repaired. Go away. But if the father got there, before the rest of the people in the community got to the son, and he got there before they could break the pot, and he grabbed his son and embraced his son and said, you're forgiven, I love you, come back in. You know what? Nobody else could say a word. They had to accept the son back into the community. Sometimes I wish I was Jewish. Sincerely, because we miss a lot of what the Bible tells us and we just read right over it. And I think God Almighty is up in heaven going, do you not understand the picture of what's going on here? Our relationship similar as people who have fallen away from God is our relationship with God is broken. And God the Father runs out when the whole world wants to condemn us and Satan wants to condemn us. And he figuratively says, no, I'm going to get to you first. How did he get to us first? He got to us first on the cross. Our Heavenly Father loves you and I so much. What this is called in, in Jewish culture is a kazaza. You learned a Jewish word today, so tell somebody at lunch and you'll look smart. Kazaza. And they would take a big pot and they would go out and they would break it in front of everybody. And that person had no more standing, no more authority, no more honor, no more rights. The relationship forever broken. My friends, I've got to tell you something this morning if you've missed it. Outside of Jesus Christ, our relationship with God would be forever broken. Had not God, through His Son Jesus in the cross, figuratively ran, ran to us. There's this great song I encourage you to check out online when you get home called, When God Ran. This is a picture of God running in the Bible. The first time and only time I know that God runs to us and says, Come here, you are my son, you're my daughter, you're my child. 
We see the Father's response in the Scripture, but here's a bigger question this morning as we wrap up. What should your response be? Maybe you find yourself here this morning or you're watching on our live stream. And you think, wow, Jack, you just, that is me, that is my life, that is figuratively my life. I am a broken person. Guess what? So am I. But because of what God did through his son Jesus, there's no kazaza that has to happen in my life. Because Jesus loves me and he ran to me. Love got to me first. So your response today, if you're not a child of God, can I just humbly ask you, maybe even beg you this morning, don't allow that brokenness to be your answer forever. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus and you were to slip into eternity, that would be you. Your fellowship, your relationship and fellowship with God would be forever broken and you would suffer in a place called hell. That's what the Bible teaches and I happen to believe the Bible. But if you need to repent and say, Lord, like the, like the son in the story, son, uh, fa- father, I've sinned against you. And God is going to hear you and say, say, I've sinned against you and I need repentance. And what is, what is he going to do? Well, no, you need to go out and you need to serve crossroads for two years, then we'll talk. No, that's not what God's going to do. Well, you're going to be on probation. You said you were a Christian and you went out here and you lived like, the Dickens. So you're going to be here and you're going to be a pre-Christian. We're going to put you on probation. And if you can show up and memorize some scripture in the next year, then we'll let you be a Christian. That's not what the Bible teaches. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Some of us maybe need to do that this morning. Some of us that know Jesus in just a minute, maybe need to come pick up a piece of this pot and take that home with you or put that on the dash of your car to remind you that without Jesus, this is you and this is me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love for us, God. Thank you that there is no Kazaza for those of us who know you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for these friends in this room this morning. Don't allow us to miss the most important Father's Day message that we could get, and that is that the Heavenly Father, God the Father, loves us so much with such an incredible love. You sent your son Jesus who is ready to throw on the robe and say you are a joint heir with Christ to place us in a seat of honor. Not because of what we can do, not because of what we bring to the table, but because of who Jesus is. Because God, you're our father and you love us as a father loves his children. And yes, you let us suffer the consequences of wrong choices. But you love us and you forgive us. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that you would help us to respond the way that you want us to respond today. Church family, while you're praying, I I have struggled to know how to even offer up a response for what the Word of God says to you and to me today. But here's what I'd like to do this morning. If you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus today first of all I'd say please forgive us in the church for sometimes making it so complicated because we see here in scripture that what we need to do is just to say father I've sinned I I ask you to forgive me I need you just like this son did in this story if you find yourself in that position today and you say I stand in need of Jesus Right there where you are, would you just lift up your hand today so I can pray for you? I'm not going to embarrass you. You've never said yes to Jesus Christ. You've never asked him to be the ruler of your life. Would you just slip up your hand this morning? 
Say, that's me, Jack. Would you pray for me? Anybody? No need to be ashamed. This is a safe place. For the rest of us, maybe it's just a reminder that we need of the huge price that our Heavenly Father paid for us to be called the sons and daughters of God. So as we wrap up this morning, for those of you who fall into that category, maybe your response would be, you know what, I just need to come up, come, come up and pick up a piece of pottery. And I need a reminder this week. If that's you, while our musicians play, I'm going to ask you just to come pick up a piece and take it with you this week. And we'll have a closing prayer in just a minute. Anybody need to do that today? Father, thank you for your love for us. Help us not to forget it. It's so easy to get distracted and overwhelmed, especially during days like this in which we live with the chaos in our world, to forget the huge, magnificent love that Paul tells us neither height nor depth nor any living thing can separate us from that love of God found in Christ Jesus, a huge love thank you for it God and thank you for these friends in Jesus name amen church family thank you Uh, as we wrap up this morning I want to ask would you pray for our staff this week maybe it's just me Uh, this is getting old (laughs) I want to hug you guys and high five you guys and have some fellowships together Uh, But, you know, every week it seems like some kind of new news report is coming out. And again, as I said last week, if you missed it, ultimately we want you to be safe. Uh, I know, just so you know, that we are aware there are churches in our area who had entire congregations affected. We don't want that to happen. So please, please, please be smart, be safe, sanitize your hands when you come in, when you exit. Um, If you sense people that you're talking to here backing away, that means you're too close. I was telling a friend this week, I said, man, one of the hallmarks of Crossroads when I came was fellowship and love. And I feel like I'm just, it feels like it's a different place a little bit because we're not able to do that. We will one day, Lord willing, be able to do that again. So please be safe. Also today, there are a couple groups, actually several groups that are meeting in here. So again, I hate to be the bad guy, but if you'll quickly move out, I know we have a couple of Sunday school classes that are gonna be meeting. If you are a greeter, if you're a a greeter, would you hang out just for a few minutes, maybe up here at the front on this side? Heath wants to meet with you. Um, We are not letting, again, just so you know, the staff and the leadership, we're not letting this virus slow down what God is doing at Crossroads. So there's been a lot of things that going on during the week. This week is a big thing called Vacation Bible School. Are you ready? Woo! I will tell you, we are not guarding the internet or filtering that if you're over 20, you can't watch and participate. We won't tell anybody. If you log on and you participate, that's okay. But virtual Bible school is going on. Pray this week that our kids will be impacted, even though it's online. And then on Friday, we're going to have a celebration together at the end of the week. So be praying for that. But if if you're a greeter or you want to be a greeter, if you'll meet up here, if you're a Sunday school teacher... We're also trying to be very proactive with Sunday school. So if you'll give us both about 10 minutes each group, Sunday school up here, and then a couple of classes 
that are going to be meeting. If, you, if your class has not been meeting Sunday school during the week, this room is available all week. And we can be safe and keep within our legal limits uh, and a fellowship together and have our small groups. So bless you guys. Have a wonderful week and uh, stay safe. We love you very much. All right. Have a good day. We'll see you.